You're listening to The Bookstorian Podcast, a podcast for book lovers and bookstagrammers. Hello and welcome to The Bookstorian Podcast. My name is Tegan and I am your host. And on this, my final episode of season two, Sarah from at What's Sarah Reading Now and Vicky from Riverbend Books here in Brisbane join me to talk about Australian fiction. We have a chat about independent bookstores and how we can support them, as well as then delving into some recommendations that all surround Australian experiences. This could be what life was like uh, from any different facet of people. So it is a really broad genre. And just to let you know, there are definitely no spoilers on this episode. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Bookstorian podcast, Sarah and Vicky. How are you this evening, Sarah? Really, really well. Thanks, Tegan. And thanks for having me. It's a huge honor. I'm a huge um, fan of your podcast and um, I'm very excited about being here today. Thank you so much for saying that. I usually find myself um, having a fangirl moment over my guests that I have on. So it's really exciting to some- for someone to say that to me. And how are you, Vicky? I'm very good. Thank you. I've been listening to your podcast as well and I've really enjoyed it. So I'm very excited to be on. Thanks for having me. I always start my podcast with an icebreaker question. And the icebreaker question that I have for you both today is what is your favorite Australian fiction or nonfiction read? So Vicky, what's yours? It's a really difficult question because I have so many favourites, um, both in the non-fiction and fiction category. But in recent years, one that's really stood out to me was The Museum of Modern Love by Heather Rose. And it won the 2017 Stella Prize for fi- women's fiction. And it's basically the story of a, a bunch of people who are really enamoured with the Marina Abramovich ex- exhibit at the... Um, Museum of Modern Art MoMA in New York. So although it's an Australian writer, it's set in New York. I hope that still counts. <laughs> it is. Um, so it's about all this, but these people that are really, um, it's sort of transitional phases in their lives and they go and see this exhibit with Marina Abramovich where she sits at a table for nine hours every day and just waits for people to come and sit opposite her and look into her eyes. And they can sit there for as long as they like until they feel a connection and then they can leave. And it's, basically told through the eyes of a muse who is Marina Abramovich's muse and it's really just the most incredible piece of art this this book it is um written in such a weird perspective but it's so interesting and such a really creative read really really enjoyed it great thank you and that the cover there is stunning as well it's it's that tessellated kind of pattern that looks fantastic and what about you Sarah what's your favorite Australian fiction or non-fiction read Well, that's a very difficult question. Um, It's really hard to pick one favourite, but I've narrowed it down to two. Um, The first one I wanted to mention was an Australian classic that I think is pretty well, it's not really that known in Australia, which is really a big shame because it won the 1978 Miles Franklin Award. And the book is called Tira Lira by the River by Jessica Anderson. And I read this um, last year as part of the Riverbend Books Classics book club. And I'm really glad that it was brought to my attention because I absolutely fell in love with it. And it's about a woman who um, has lived the majority, she's from Brisbane, Queensland, and she's lived the majority of her adult life in London as a seamstress. And 
it's about a woman reflecting back on her life and the mistakes she's made, um, relationships she's been in. And it's one of the most beautiful books I've ever read because the way she writes her book, it's just so full of rich imagery and it's so lyrical and poetic almost. And it's, it's a book that I just completely fell in love with and I really, really enjoyed it. The other book that I am just loving at the moment and um, I want to read it a second time is called The Performance by Claire Thomas. And this is a new release. And um, this is a book that's written in the stream of consciousness narrative. And it follows four women who are watching a Beckett play in Melbourne while the bushfires um, are raging outside. And it's a book which really explores all the different stresses that are on contemporary women. So it looks at the stress of motherhood, um, career stress, and it also looks at a, a different concept, which I think is quite popular at the moment, which is the notion of climate change anxiety. And she looks at how, especially during that period when we have the bushfires that that was really on a lot of people's minds. And it's it's a real palpable thing now that people are developing this anxiety about climate change. And um, yeah, it's a book that really had quite a big impact on me. I felt like it spoke to me on um, many different levels. I, I could um, relate to a lot of the women in the book about, you know, career pressures and motherhood and all, all those issues. So um, they're my two favourite Australian books at the moment. So, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. I've been a little bit on the fence about the performance and whether or not to pick it up, but I think uh, hearing you speak about it, it's definitely um, encouraged me to pick it up and read it. I am a drama teacher by trade. So as soon as I sort of saw a book called The Performance and it has that beautiful cover and that it's also based on watching theatre, I was intrigued and then I'm like, oh, I don't know whether or not I will enjoy it, but I really think, yeah, after listening to you, I should definitely give it a go. Oh, it's it's absolutely fabulous. And also to um, another book that I read in um, the Riverbend Classics book club last year was To the Lighthouse by Virginia Woolf. And that's a book that's written in the stream of consciousness narrative. And um, it very much reminded me of that, 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 that literary device. And it was deployed just so beautifully. And yeah, I really, I highly recommend it. Awesome. One of my, um, and yes, I know this is a really hard question, even when I asked it and mine changes all the time, but I thought being that this is the last episode of season two, and this is the most recent Australian uh, nonfiction book that I've picked up, I'm going to use it to plug this book and to tell you that you should read it. And it is The Land Before Avocado by Richard Glover. And I just, I found it shocking at so many times that this is exactly what Australia was like uh, 40 or 50 years ago. So it's set in Australia in the late sixties and early seventies. And I've just learned so much, even from alfresco dining to the rules in marriage, to uh, what it meant for gay people in our country and our indigenous population. I mean, a lot of little bits and pieces I knew already, but there was also a much bigger picture that I had no idea about. And it, I found it incredibly insightful and informative and it helps me to better understand my parents and the world that they grew up in. So both of my parents were born in the 60s. So they're experiencing their childhood and then their early teenage years during this time that Richard Glover is reflecting on. 
And even looking at my own childhood, I can see why there's certain things reflected in that. So my parents always, we grew up on acreage, so it's okay. But my parents would always put together materials and we'd have a bonfire. But then reading it in the story, it's like, oh yeah, this is obviously why they do it. And even my mum was here today and she's like, do you want me to take this home and put it on the fire? Like, we'll do a bonfire. I'll put it on the fire. I was like, it's this book. It, It has so many correlations to my life. So whether or not you're reading it from a nostalgia perspective or um, like myself reading it because you need to learn a little bit more about Australia before you were born. And especially that period of time where you don't really learn about it in history at school. It's, it's overlooked because it's very modern to our world. So um, I highly recommend this read to anybody. And something else I'd highly recommend to everybody is Sarah's bookstagram account. So her handle is at what Sarah's reading now. Sarah, can you describe your bookstagram feed? Okay. Um, I would describe my bookstagram feed as being very warm and cosy. I like to include a lot of detail in um, my photos. I have a bit of a botanical floral feel. Um, I love to do book reviews. I love to share what I'm currently reading. Um, I've recently got into reels. Um, My reels are pretty bad at this stage, but I'm working on that. (laughs) Um, I also love supporting uh, small businesses within the Bookstagram community, especially um, Devad Pages, who I'm a rep for. They make beautiful book sleeves, so I'm really enjoying that. I've explored a whole new world of book merchandise, like book bookmarks and book sleeves and things like that. Um, And I really hope that when people look at my bookstagram feed they can they can see my heart and soul because I put my heart and soul into my into my book photography and my reviews um I feel like it's really important in bookstagram to be really honest with your reviews and um I'm always honest and I'll give credit where it's due but if I don't enjoy a book I'll be really honest about about that as well Um, and I think it's a great forum for me to interact with other like-minded people. And I think that's one of the most unexpected aspects of Bookstagram for me has been just the interaction that I've had with so many different, wonderful, friendly, welcoming people. Um, so yeah, that's how I would describe my Bookstagram. I think you've definitely touched on this in your response that you've just said, but why did you actually start one in the first place? I started it because I've always been an avid reader ever since I was a little girl. Um, I've always had a book in my hand. However, in during lockdown last year, people kept sending me messages all the time asking me for book recommendations because everyone knows that I love to read. So I thought, why not set up an Instagram account where I can chronicle what I'm reading. So then people don't have to text me. They can just have a look at my bookstagram account. And it was during this period that I also discovered what bookstagram actually was. I didn't really know what it was until I was in lockdown. And so that's hence my handle, what's Sarah reading now, because people are always asking me what I'm reading. So it just really began as a way to give my friends recommendations on what I was reading. And that's really the genesis of my account. 
And from there as well, you've also built a relationship with Riverbend Books, which is in Brisbane. And all three of us who are on the podcast today are from Brisbane. So can you tell me a little bit about that relationship we ha- you have with them? So I've, I live within the local area um, at, at where Riverbend is located in Bulimba. And it's always been my go-to local bookstore. Um, but I've mentioned um, this in my bookstagram before that what I love about Riverbend is that it's not just a bookstore. For me, it's a community hub. And Susie, who um, owns the bookstore, is an incredible person. Um, she set up a wonderful community. She's always holding um, events. So, for example, a couple of weeks ago, I t- attended an event hosted by Riverbend Books and Trent Dalton was uh, the MC, and the author that was being interviewed was Susan Johnson and she was talking about her recent release called From Where I Fell, which I have subsequently read and I just adored it, highly recommend that book. And I've attended so many events at Riverbend over the years. Um, One of my most memorable events was meeting Bill Granger He's a celebrity chef, and that was a really big moment for me. I've got a photo of him at Riverbend. So um, there's been many special moments for me at Riverbend. But also in recent times, I've started joining the Riverbend book clubs. So I'm in two Riverbend book clubs. I'm in the Riverbend Classics book club, which I have just gained so much. So Laura and Vicky um, coordinate those, and they are just amazing. I've revisited some really old classics that I've read like Great Expectations, um, The Grapes of Wrath and I've also explored um, some new classics like Crossing to Safety by Stegner um, and here I wouldn't have gone for. I wouldn't have even thought about reading them but being part of this book club has really opened my eyes to these types of classics books and then I'm in also a another book club at Riverbend called the Riverbend Readers Book Club. And this book club is more for um, new release books. And so far this year, we've read Monogamy by Sue Miller and Honeybee by Craig Sylvie. And I think the next one is um, Shuggy Bane by Douglas Stewart, which I've already read. Um, So that's been fantastic. Um, But I also love Riverbend because Susie, the owner of the um, shop, has been so supportive of my bookstagram account and has really taken an interest in it. And she's just a wonderful lady. She loves supporting people within her community. And I I really appreciate that. And um, yeah, like I said, it's not just a bookstore, it's a community and it's a very, very special place. And um, Vicky and Laura have also just, you know, they've become my friends and they're just lovely people. The staff there are lovely and they have the best range of books. So it's an important part of my community and I really love it. And creating a community is so integral to reading. And I think that's why why Bookstagram works so well is because people have those common Im- interests and can speak about them and talk about them. So to have a local bookstore where you can also find that face-to-face community is really powerful If people are currently listening and they don't live in Brisbane, but they might have a local bookstore, what are some ways they might be able to support those bookstores, do you think, Sarah? 
Um, I think just buying the books is really important. Becoming in, like involved in their events, getting on their mailing list because um, a lot of local bookstores have events and have authors show up. And I think it's really important to support local bookstores because with the with the advent of e-readers and things like that, it, it, it is a lot harder for local bookstores to sell, you know, physical books. So I would just say, you know, show up, get involved with the events that they're having, get on their mailing list, follow their social media accounts and just, just become involved because it's a rewarding experience if you can find a really good local um, bookstore and, and become part of their book clubs because I, I think that book clubs are such a great place to meet people, but they're also a place where you can enjoy an intimate experience with someone. There's something very intimate and personal about sharing a book that to, that you've read with someone. And I love reading a book and then going to book club and then getting different perspectives on books and talking to people about books. Um, it's a very rewarding experience for me. And I know everyone who attends all the book clubs, they love that they actually love the experience too. So yeah, sign up for a book club if, if, if your store actually has them. That's a nice little segue as well for me to plug my last uh, two episodes where I did a like an ode to a book club, essentially. So definitely go back and give them a listen and then get in contact with your local uh, independent bookstores and see if there is a book club or if not, see if you can help them maybe start one. Could be something really Absolutely. fun to do. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I found one of my resolutions this year is to, is to support um, more local bookstores. And unfortunately in the area that I live, there's nothing that's independently owned. Uh, there are, there is a QBD that's not far away, but I, I think it's a nice little excursion even into Brisbane. And when you go to a bookstore like Riverbend Books itself, it has a cafe there as well. So a bit of a pit stop. Uh, but one thing I really want to do with my bookstore this year, and now that now that my wedding's over and I can plan another event, I want to do like a little, like kind of like a food tour, but a book tour of Brisbane and stop off and, and share all of these bookstores uh, with the other people that are in my book club, I think could be a really, really fun thing to do. So that could be another way you could get out and support your bookstores, especially if you're near a capital city is do a little book tour with, with a group of friends um, or take the time, save up that money, write down your TBR, work out which ones you want to purchase and head into a bookstore. I'm also joined um, with Vicky and Vicky works at Riverbend Books here in Brisbane. So Vicky, can you describe the bookstore for my listeners? I can. I think Sarah described it as being sort of a cosy community hub, which is really lovely and something that I hope that our customers think when they come in. It is it used to be an old house. So my boss bought it about 23 years ago and converted it into a bookshop. And the front of the house is a, is a huge deck, which is now our Riverbend Cafe. And inside, of course, is the shop. It is quite, I'd say it's a warm, woody environment with lots and lots and lots of books, obviously. And we're sort of full to the brim, but it's not too, not too hemmed in. I like to think there's still room to move around. There's a new window. We just got a massive new window put in, so letting in lots more light. Um, it is as airy as a bookshop can be and still be cozy, I think. <laughs> it's a really lovely place to work, and I'm very lucky to be there. It's not a terrible place to go to every single day. And I really love how spread out everything is as well. And even that 
the the space that you have at the front of the shop where you can see the new release fiction but then as you wander further back and you can see the um like the coffee table books and cookbooks and as you sort of wander further back there's more fiction towards the back and children's books and a young adult it's a really nice uh, layout of the store and you never really feel like you're browsing on top of somebody else either which i know sometimes some bookstores can feel a little bit like that but riverburn definitely doesn't Yeah, it's good to hear. I really like uh, that you said that. I think the middle of the shop is really where we keep the kids and the teen area. And then towards the back is the adult fiction. And the area that we have there is sort of the wood floored area. And we we do host events in the back of the shop there as well. Mm -hmm. And we host our book clubs up there. So it's a really lovely little place to to sort of host book clubs and things like that right in in amongst all the stacks. And we we love it in there. Yeah, it's a nice little nook at the back there. Yeah. And apart from obviously being surrounded by heaps of books working in a bookstore, what would your favorite thing be? Oh, sorry. No, my question is meant to be, uh, what do you love about working in a bookstore? So my favorite thing, well, I have so many favorite things. I guess it's better to explain my jobs there first. And the first, um, I was hired as the events manager at Riverbend. So I do I coordinate all of the events that happen there. So all of the author events that happen at the moment, last year, obviously we had very few events uh, because of COVID. We are slowly easing back into our events program. And what I really love about sort of the reopening of our events right now is that we're getting a lot of events with local authors and we have such a rich community of local talent here in Brisbane. And it's really nice to sort of highlight that in at Riverbend. It's really lovely to have them in and to connect authors with the community. And the other job that I have there is a book club coordinator. And I coordinate quite a few book clubs at Riverbend. Our major book club is called Riverbend Readers. We have 162 members at the moment. So that's um, 12 sessions over the course of a week with about sort of 10 to 15 people in each session. I take eight of those. We all read the same book. And that is probably my favorite part about working at Riverbend. I'd have to say the book clubs. I just love sort of the diversity of people that we have coming in, talking about the same book, the amount of different opinions we get and just the community feel of it. It's, it's so beautiful. It's so lovely that so many people find the time every month to, to read, the, read the book and come in and chat about it and, and have a really good time for an hour and dedicate that hour every month to coming in. I mean, it's really special to me and it's my favorite, favorite week of the month. And then we also have our classics book club, which I coordinate four times a year. And that one's really lovely. We get to do, I mean, we just did Middlemarch and it's a book that I would never probably have read without having classics book club. I probably was a bit intimidated by it. So the good thing about the classics book club is it makes me read things I would never pick up normally. And it does the same for our our customers as well, or book club members, I should say. (laughs) It sounds a bit nicer than customers. And because they really do become friends, they become people you see every month, they become people that, you know, you know about their lives, you know about what's going on with them. And it's just a beautiful community feel. I think the thing about Riverbend is that it's a community hub, that so many people come in, that we see them sort of week in, week out, and we form relationships and we bring literature to so many happy faces. And it's such a, it's a lovely, lovely thing. And it is beautiful in a way because that's that's the sort of connection that we don't get online. So when you're adding your books to cart in an online setting, you're missing yeah. that personal connection that you get with your bookseller and those conversations of, ah, oh, I've you know, have you read this book? It's very similar to the book that you're purchasing today, and and those kinds of conversations exactly. you, you're lacking out on that. Yeah. yeah. So how can people support their local bookstore, especially if they 
oh, let me say that again. How can people support an independent bookstore if they don't live near one? Well, there are so many ways. You can shop online, obviously. You can engage with us on social media. You can try and come to our events. We as a bookshop don't do too many Zoom events um, just because we really love the live version and so many other people are doing the Zoom version really, really well. But if you don't live near an independent, um, you can join a book club online, which we do have. We have the R Club, which meets once a month on Zoom. And we have people from Tasmania and we have people from WA that Zoom in with our um, online book club. So it's on our website, the R Club. <laughs> have a look, check it out. It's really great. And then the other one, the other way that we sort of support people outside of Brisbane is with our book subscription program. So you can sign up again online, you fill in a questionnaire, and once a month we send you a book sort of tailored to what you might like and the genres that you might like. And it's just a nice little surprise to get in the post every month. I wish someone would do it for me. <laughs> we do it for a lot of people come in and they do it as gifts. I mean, I, I say I wish that, but I really can't have any more books in my house. <laughs> but um, I think the, it would be, it's a lovely way for people to connect to their friends and family as well. They call us up, tell, them, tell us about their friends, and we send them a book every month. It's a really beautiful gift to give, and it's a nice way to support your local indie. That's a really beautiful idea. So the best place if someone wants to do that through Riverbend is to give you guys a call? Yep, give us a call or have a look at our website, riverbendbooks.com. Excellent. And finally, why should people support independent bookstores? So many reasons, <laughs> mainly I think because, you know, we provide something that an online bookstore cannot. And that is, that is the word of mouth. That's a service. That's, that is sort of people that work in a bookshop are people that have read books, that have read what's on the shelves and can give you the sort of the hand selling recommendation of what you might be after. We at Riverbend, I know Susie only hires people who read. So we're all passionate about what we do. We all feel really lucky to be there. We're all happy to talk to you about books. We talk about them all day long. And because we talk about them all day long, we don't forget them. So we remember what we're talking about. We know what's great. We're honest. If we didn't like something, we'll tell you. And online, you don't get that kind of, that kind of service. You don't get that kind of recommendation. Um, also, it's, you should support indies because they're local businesses. Our money goes back into the community. If you buy on Amazon, you're really not supporting your local economy at all. <laughs> they don't get taxed, we do, therefore we're a tiny bit more expensive, but, but we give the money back to the community. Everything that we earn, we spend in our community, and that's invaluable. So I think there are so many reasons to support independent, but that's a huge one for me. And I think a really important component when we look at prices and when you start to compare prices, um, when, when you're purchasing a book, you're purchasing someone's artistic abilities. So when Absolutely. you would go and, and watch a theatre show or when you're going and uh, watching a movie or getting a Netflix subscription, you are essentially, you're, you're paying for somebody's artistry and not you certainly are. not everyone can buy a book. So if you are tossing up between it that's one thing that I found helps when sometimes you are looking at a little bit of a slightly higher price tag but you are supporting a local business and you're also supporting someone's artistry um, and then you are also in turn supporting someone's expertise because you can't walk into a large department store and have a conversation with someone about the book you're about to buy uh, whereas exactly. when you walk into an independent bookstore you certainly can absolutely <laughs> 
So as Anzac Day is approaching next week, it is a really good time for us as Australians to actually reflect on our lives and how those experiences of others have actually shaped Australia and the world in which we live in today. And one of the ways we can do, or we, one of the ways that we can learn about the experiences of others is through reading. So each of us have got two recommendations that have, uh, that are, each of us have two recommendations that are connected to this idea of an Australian experience. So this is from many different voices. It could be to do with war. It could be to do with modern womanhood, uh, whatever it might be. So it's a very broad subject, uh, but we've got some books that we would like to share with you. Sarah, would you like to go first? Okay. Um, so Tegan, the first book I wanted to share is a book I read a couple of years ago and it's called Meet Me at Lennon's. And it's by an author called Mer Melanie Myers. And similar to the book you mentioned just before, Code Breakers, this is a book which deals with the wartime experience in Brisbane during World War II. And the book centres around a woman who is studying history and she's doing her thesis on a particular topic involving um, an author who has produced this manuscript about the experiences of uh, Brisbane during World War II. And as she uncovers a particular manuscript, she discovers that a murder had occurred during this time. But this also sets her on the path of learning about how Brisbane dealt with World War II. And Brisbane actually played a very special role. There were thousands and thousands of American troops stationed here. And I was fascinated by the book because it really dealt with the impact of the presence of those soldiers within Brisbane and the impact it had on society. And this was a large part of our history, which I was largely ignorant of. So I learned so much about it with um with war but it has a lot to do with being a modern mother in current times in australia and the book that i wanted to mention is called grace under pressure by tori hushka and i loved this book because it's extremely witty it's extremely funny but it has some serious undertones it really explores how women form part of this unpaid workforce in Australia as mothers. So we, I've got a mother, I'm a mother of five children and this book made me feel very valued. It made me feel validated and it made me realise that so much of what I do for my children, it's, I don't get paid for it and it's largely unrecognised. And in this book, um, she has three separate characters who for some reason or other their men have let them down and the men have exited their lives so as a way to support each other they all decide to move into the one house which um tori labels quite amusingly a mummune as opposed to a commune and um, the result is quite hilarious it's very entertaining but as i said there's some serious nuances in the book as well so that's a book which i think really deals with um the experience of um the modern mother in australia 
Thank you. That's two really good um, Australian experiences from different time periods and, um, and addressing from the perspective of a woman as well. Vicky, what about you? What are the two Australian experience reads you are bringing to the podcast today? So I have two today. One of them is actually on my TBR pile and it's called Codename Helene by Ariel Lawhon, L-A-W-H-O-N, I think it is. And um, this one is one that has been brought to my attention because a lot of other book clubs at Riverbend have been reading it and really, really enjoying it. I've heard rave reviews, so I'm really looking forward to dipping into it. And it follows the story of Nancy Wake, who is also known as the White Mouse. And she was a um, Australian journalist who was living in Paris during the war. And she uh, married a very wealthy Frenchman. And then when the Nazis started to invade um, Europe and, and France, she helped to get smuggled tons of people across the border. So she was working for the resistance. She was so good at it that they called her the white mouse and the Gestapo put a heavy price on her head. Um, and because she was so sort of under attack, I guess she was going to be found out. She went back to Britain um, where she was trained by um, secret ops and she was given another code name, which was Helene. And um, she um, did much more work for, for the resistance. And she was this, so this is a, obviously a book that's based on a real real life person, a real Australian, and it's an incredible story. I'm really interested to hear more about it. I'm surprised I haven't heard about her before. And yeah, so that one is on my TBR pile. The other one is one that I read a few years ago, and it is A uh, Hundred Years of Dirt by Rick Morton, who is a journalist. I think he writes for The Australian. He's written for, he writes for the Sunday paper quite regularly, Saturday paper quite regularly, I should say. And he's written tons of essays, but I think A Hundred Years of Dirt was his first book. Um, and he has written this memoir about his family and the cycles of poverty in his family across generations and the violence in his family and sort of the way people like him and his family, his siblings have fallen through the cracks over the years and how in Australia we tend to overlook these people and how it's so easy to not have any sort of knowledge of this underbelly going on in Australia and, and sort of the ways that we should be supporting people with families with lower incomes. It's an incredible read. It brought tears to my eyes. It made me think a lot about the state of the nation. And I think it's an incredible memoir. He's a beautiful writer. Um, and I think it's a really worthwhile read for all Australians. I recommended it to a lot of book clubs at Riverbend and, certainly got a lot of great feed, feedback from it. He has a new book out now, which I've forgotten the name of, but um, yeah, incredible writer, Rick Morton, look out for him. Thank you so much for sharing those reads. So similar to Vicky, I have one book that's on my TBR and one book that I have read. So I'm going to start with my book on my TBR and it is The Code Breakers by Ali Sinclair. It is a book that I'm reading uh, for one of my many book clubs at the moment and I'm keen to sink my teeth into it because it's based in Brisbane and other than something like Trent Dalton's Boys Swallows Universe, 
Brisbane, I think, gets ignored a lot in Australian literature. So many of our writers seem to live in Sydney or Melbourne, and quite often uh, my capital city gets ignored. So I'm looking forward to reading it for that perspective. And it is also a historical fiction book. So it is set during the time of World War II. And I also find quite often I read a World War II book from the perspective of a European. So it'll be really good to actually read from a perspective of an Australian woman. And essentially, a fair bit of research actually went into creating and writing this book. So the author, Ali Sinclair, actually uh, interviewed these ladies who were a part of the code-breaking um I guess, like, what would you call it, occupation um, during the time of the war. They had to keep it secret. They weren't allowed to tell others what they were doing. And even for a certain amount of time afterwards, they weren't able to share what important work that they were doing as well. So um, The Code Breakers by Ali Sinclair is my first Australian experience read. And my next one uh, is Anzac Girls, which is is The Extraordinary Story of World War One Nurses by Peter Rees. Many of you might have actually seen the miniseries of this book. Uh, however, the book is just as fantastic. And the reason why I'm suggesting this as a potential read is, again, it deals with Australian women and also women from New Zealand. And they are women who were engaged in active service overseas in terms of nursing. So they were there supporting the soldiers mentally and physically throughout the duration of the war. And I sometimes feel that we quite often, when we look at this Australian perspective of law, of war, we're quite often looking at the males and we're quite often looking at the soldiers and, and their, um, their, their involvement in active combat, but a lot of the time these ladies' stories are, are being overlooked. I would, I would like to think that potentially there is a lot more awareness about it now. Um, however, this read is a selection of like letters and diary entries from these women. Um, it just goes to show the, the strength and courage of these women, their ability to to think on the spot and to be resourceful with what they have, but also their ability to speak out about things that aren't going the way that they think they should. And especially in a man's world, what they achieved and what they did was incredibly inspirational. So I highly recommend that you give Anzac Girls a read. So I think that we have spoken about an awful lot of books on the podcast today. So hopefully, uh, if you are listening, you've walked away with a bunch of new suggestions, whether it be, um, and I think like having a look over this list, most of them are Australian reads. So hopefully you've walked away uh, with something that will keep you occupied over the Anzac Day long weekend. Thank you so much for joining me, Vicky. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And thank you, Sarah. No, thank you, Tegan, and thanks for having me. It's been such an honour to be on your show. I'm a big fan, so thank you very much. And that's it for season two of the Bookstorium podcast. I would like to say a huge thank you to each and every single one of my guests and contributors throughout the season, as well as you guys, the listeners. Continue to follow and share each of my episodes with others that you know. Word of mouth is a huge factor in sharing my podcast with others. I hope to be back in July with some new episodes for season three. And if you are keen to be involved in season three, please send me an email, thebookstoryandpodcast at 
outlook.com.au or flick me a DM on Instagram. Until July, I hope you have a wonderful 2021 and find yourself between the pages of a fantastic book. You have been listening to the Bookstorian podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and follow me on Instagram at the Bookstorian podcast. 